Hey, Chris. How's it going? Hey, Jason. How are you? Doing good today? Yeah. How yeah. about you? Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. It's, it's, well, it's a Monday where we're at, but we're, yeah, it is. We're it's a rainy before. Monday. It is a rainy Monday. Yeah. So I feel bad because my, uh, my family lives out in the Southwest in New Mexico, yeah. um, and, uh, West Texas, Arizona, where all the wildfires are raging. Oh, wow. You know, it's just so stinking dry out there. Yeah. And Has then your here. Has been affected by any of it? Not directly. Okay. No, we've, um, there was one, one of the wildfires, uh, a couple of a number of weeks ago, I guess, a month or two ago, um, was really close to one of the places where Donna and I lived okay. um, early on in our marriage, our first couple of years of marriage um, down in Central Texas. And so that was, um, um, and since we left there, they had a really bad wildfire that I think it took out like 25% of the town. Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, a small town and not like, right, right. Not like Indianapolis kind of, right, no. you know, um, but you know, town of a thousand people, that's that's still 250 people affected, right. you know, I mean, it's, it was huge. It was devastating. And so, um, so that really hits home a lot. And then, right. you know, it's not raining outside here and I can step on my grass and water mm-hmm. still like oozes up because it's the ground's like a sponge. <laughs> right. Welcome and to Indiana weather, like, right? Oh God. I've never seen uh, so many earthworms out on my driveway. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what, what, what are they thinking? Right. And, you know, I didn't realize that, oh, they can actually drown underground. Right. When there's so much groundwater, they can drown like Man, yeah, who would have known? Earthworms in New Mexico, they're 20 feet deep. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's the only place they can find, so, find moisture. Right? Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a little... It's a little different mindset living out here than I, you know, have had living in the Southwest. So, <laughs> so what are we touching on today, Jason? Well, we're going to continue down the road of the leader mindset. Okay. Of you know what are what are the things that. Um, that we need to think through as a leader to help us, um, you know, better take care of the people underneath us so that, you know, we're a leader that's worth following, not just a leader that somebody has to follow. Right. Um, and if we're, you know, what we're going to talk about today is making sure we have clear expectations mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, we've talked about support and challenge, that uh, that cha- challenge aspect is about setting clear expectations. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that we can be too challenging, I guess. Yes. You know, that's, and, and when we set expectations that are maybe unrealistic, mm-hmm. you know, of, uh, Hey, I need you to, you know, this is a, I know this is a 10 day job. Can I need you to get it done in seven? Right. You know, oh, man, that's unrealistic in that, you know, I, I could not sleep for a couple nights, mm-hmm. Right. pull a couple all nighters. I'm going to have to work the weekend, but I can get it done in the seven days. Right. You know, that, that's a little unrealistic, right? You know, because people have lives, right. you know. Or does it go to the impossible, impossible level of that ten mm-hmm. day job? It's got to be done tomorrow, right? It's just not going to get done. There is no There's humanly no way. earthly way for that to happen, you know. Unless you gave me ten people to help me do it, and even then, I'm not sure that you can bring them all on, you know, task fast. Right? Enough to can get you get done. it fast enough? Yeah, exactly. Right. And so um, we can bring um, challenge that is that is too much. That's over. It's unrealistic. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. Things that um, really just creates a dominating culture. Right. If we do that too often, I mean, granted, you know, there's there's some industries, there's some businesses that an outside force comes up, and yeah, you got to have something tomorrow, and right. you may not be able to get it done to an A plus level, but yeah, you kind of somebody else demanded it, and you have no choice. Right. Um, but you have control within your organization of when you set deadlines, of what profit margins. You know, I, I want a fifty percent profit margin on this. You know, right. it it may be unrealistic or impossible, mm-hmm. and so setting those expectations appropriately 
truly matters for your team. Right. That if you constantly come to the table with unrealistic or impossible type of expectations, um, it can really create a very um, dominating culture. Mm-hmm. And dominating cultures lead to burnout. Right. They lead to apathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lead to they lead to resistance and to turnover. Right. I mean, why would somebody want to sit in that role if they're constantly being asked to give more than it's humanly possible to give? Right. You know. Well, and I, I mean, take it to another level. Take it to um, customers as well. Like I think that yeah. some of your customers. Mm-hmm. Have sometimes have unrealistic expectations, and I right. mean, uh, so as you're serving them, if you don't set those appropriately, you can create your own burnout. Exactly, um, for your people that are working with you and the people that you're working for. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so it's it's expectations are huge. Yeah. So the other side of the coin, though, mm-hmm. is to not be unrealistic or impossible, but to be limited in your expectations of not expecting enough. Mm. Of you know you're, um, you know this employee could probably pull off three or four good projects this month, mm-hmm. but we're only going to expect one or two. Oh yeah, and so it's it's limited. Mm-hmm. It's it's too easy. Or you just you take that a step further and you just become resigned and just kind of like yeah whatever. Right. You know I I don't really have any expectation. Just you know just get done what you need feel like you need to get done and we'll move on in the day. Right. Everybody gets a paycheck and we move on in life, you hmm. know, um, you know, that, that, that challenge, you know, on one side of the expectation scale can be dominating, right? right? The other side can just be apathetic. It can be, you know, it kind of creates this, um, this protective culture mm-hmm. where, you know, hey, what you get done is what you get done. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're good. We're, right. we're just kind of protecting each other's feelings or even you. You can even set low expectations in in terms of um, even trying to protect a job or protect a culture. But by going too low on those expectations, you're actually not protecting, you're harming. Mm. Because that uh, protective culture leads to Mm underperformance. You know, well, I could do three or four projects this month. Right. I'm just going to take care of the one or two. Yeah. I'm not going to worry about that. You know, it's not expected of me. Or, you know, it leads to a, a sense of entitlement. Mm. You know, I, oh, I don't have to do much to get get what I'm getting out of this job. Right. You know, it's more about what I'm getting, not what I can give. And it creates this unhealthy culture around your around your workplace, around your team, around your business. It just, mm-hmm. it, you know, um, so having a clear expectation, something that's realistic, um, that's not, um, you know, it's on par with what the business can do. It's on par with what the individual can do, what your team can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and being clear about that of saying, okay, you know, you completed three projects this month. Right. Do you think you've got a fourth in you? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you want to shoot for next month? Is three the right spot or do we want to, you know, do we want to shoot for four? Right. And having those open conversations and communicating well, because expectations really don't matter <laughs> If they're not communicated clearly. Right. You know, um, we but, only have to look into our personal lives for that, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many times have we walked into, um, you know, our marriages, our close relationships, our friendships, you know, or kids or anything like that, and we've not been clear about what we expect. Right. And yes. when we're not clear, when we don't communicate it, and it doesn't get done right, mm-hmm. because, well, it wasn't clear. Right. <laughs> we're kind of... 
shooting ourselves in the foot, aren't we? Totally, totally. <laughs> well, and I've been, I was just thinking about this. My, my wife and I just had this conversation. We had a conversation and I wasn't clear on the expectations. So it created confusion. <laughs> and, right. And I was like, hey, I need to know what we're doing here. <laughs> right. And so when it's not communicated well, right. like you said, it creates confusion. Right. And then that leads to what? Frustration? Yeah, I was, and then I was frustrated. And anger? Yes. And so um, I mean, one of the greatest like, quotes... Are we talking to me today? <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's, um, the self-aware leader is like looking in a mirror at ourselves. Right. That's where I... That's <laughs> what I keep learning. And I'm... Man, that's painful. Um, that one of my favorite quotes out of you know some of these giant tools, uh, the giant worldwide tools that we use, um, is uh, the uncommuted expectations is simply premeditated bitterness. Yeah. That wow. when we choose not to communicate well, we're just saying, I would feel better about just being bitter when it's not met. Right. You know? And then, then we, so that's where we have to take in like the five voices, how we communicate, right? how we, you know, what our expectations are from our own selves and how that, right. you know, that, um, you know, if you're a pioneer can, uh, trying to communicate with a nurturer, mm-hmm. you need to think about how does how, how does do a nurturer perceive this? Right. How do I communicate clearly about this? Because there's two sides of every communication. Yeah. You know, equation like there's right. the, the receiver and the delivery. Right. The deliverer. And yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, as we think through. You know, not just what is my expectation about that. We need to do some deep searching on that sometimes, mm-hmm. of especially if there's an a, an expectation that that keeps falling short. Mm-hmm. That you're not, you know, I, my team never meets this expectation. Yeah. Do the hard work. Is this realistic? Yeah. Have I journeyed to the far end of the scale that I'm I'm being unrealistic or I'm impossible? Mm-hmm. Or have I journeyed the other way that you know I've I've only communicated a limited expectation, right? but my true expectation is a little bit higher, and we're never meeting the higher one because they're only shooting for the lower. Right. And they don't know that there's a higher expectation. Right. So we need to do the hard work as leaders That's to totally. be self-aware, to look inside ourselves, what have I truly communicated? Mm-hmm. And being brave enough to ask somebody, you know, pull somebody on your team right, and say, hey... What's it like being on the other side of me? Right. Do you do you feel like... Are you hearing these things? Right. Or how are you hearing these right. things? Right. What do you feel is the expectation in our company or, you know, around this issue, around this goal or something like that? Mm-hmm. Ask them to, you know, give them the freedom to speak honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you might, you might pick out a pioneer or a connector... Right. <laughs> or a guardian, uh, right. you know, those, you know, those voices would do a lot better in giving feedback. Um, and, uh, you know, so... Be mm-hmm. brave. Right. Do the hard work. It is hard work. It is. But it it's is. also good work. Yeah. And it's and it's the work that is easy to get relegated to the back burner. Totally. Totally. <laughs> you know, it, the end of the month comes, the expectation isn't met, and you're like, oh, I got to address that this month. Mm-hmm. But then the next day you have more pressing issues, more urgent issues. Right. And then the end, the, the end of that month comes, you're like, oh, Good grief. Right. <laughs> We've missed it again. You know, take time. Uh, somebody once told me that the culture of a business is is, is a full-time job. Oh, and yeah. I have no doubt about that. Yeah. Like, it is. So while you're trying to run the rest of the business, trying to balance out that culture is, is yeah. a lot of work. Right. And the culture of your business culture. will devour a good strategy any day. Yeah. If your culture goes unhealthy, 
your strategy is going to be unhealthy. Yeah. Even if it's the best strategy in the world. And so, hmm. all right. Communication. Communication. Expectation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> at least, at least this wasn't a painful topic today. No, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got some work to do. Yeah. But, but we all do. Right. We all do. And, so. and, and uh, well, it's to that point, right? It is somewhat of a growing process, is it not? Absolutely. I mean, so Absolutely. you're not going to hit this right out of the gate. Too. Right. So even if you are maybe behind the eight ball or struggling with something, don't mm-hmm. give up. Right. Just don't stop. Right. Right. Because, I mean, that's what I'm hearing. It's like, and I probably, because I know I've done everything that you just said, like pushed it to the back burner because I had something more pressing come up. Mm-hmm. I know I do that. Yeah. But I also know that the culture is very important to me, so I need to keep pushing it forward. Absolutely. Because we're, you know, no one is really uniquely designed to sit perfect on that expectation scale of right. I present realistic expectation every time. Right. You know, we're going to hit it. You know, you, you know, blind squirrel still finds a nut every once in a while. Right. right? But, um, we are going to tend to one side or the other, either too dominating, unrealistic and impossible, or we're going to be too protecting and more right. limited and, you know, resigned in our, our expectations. And so we've got to learn how to come to the middle ground because mm-hmm. that, that realistic expectation creates liberty. Mm-hmm. It creates freedom that when somebody is feeling like they are fulfilling their potential and they have enough challenge to keep them ed- on the edge of their seats and the reward is is great on the other end of, I completed this task, I completed this project, this job, I met this goal. Right. Um, when all Shoot. of those things work together, your, your capacity as a team grows. Right. It really does. And so um, don't feel bad if you're sitting out there going, yeah, but I just... I, I mess up so many times. Well, yeah. we all do. We all do. Because right. none of us are uniquely designed to sit perfectly. In and a lot of people don't don't uh, communicate the same either. So it's, pr- yeah. it's a part of that process too. Absolutely. There's several variables Absolutely. in there. Not that I'm giving anybody um, excuses, but I ask, just recognize it for what it is and keep moving forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. A little bit better the next time is better than where you're at today. Amen. And short baby steps, we'll get there. We'll get we'll there. We'll get there. So... Hey, so what are we doing today? We're uh, so, taking another deep dive, right? We are. Today's okay. we're going to throw things off again a little bit today, and we don't have um, a uh, guest, but we're going to talk about some more business st- um, topics. Right. Um, we, today we're going to talk about um, some mindset stuff. So let's go ahead and jump to that because I want to get in, get talking about that. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. See you in a minute. All right, Chris, you ready to do this? I am. All right. We're going to take another week where we uh, do a little bit of a deep dive into a topic related to entrepreneurism and starting up your own business, right? Right. Last week we touched on on like finding your fit, right? Right. Of so what, what business might be best for you. Right. Right. And this week we're going to jump into finances, right? Correct. Okay. Because well, that's a huge part right. of starting a business. And there's multiple facets in that. But Absolutely. I'm looking forward to diving into that a little deeper and just... But from the bigger perspective, it's just it's pretty much about money and how you deal with money. Right. Okay. So give us a quick overview. Where are we going to go over these next few minutes as we dive a little deeper? Okay. Let's touch on personal finance. Let's think about that, and then the thought process. That sounds a little more painful. That and it is. <laughs> it truly is. Like I, I think it's a real thing. And then let's touch about the business finances and the thought process around that, because unfortunately or fortunately, they tie together. 
Yeah. So that money is a is a one of those things that you just have to talk about and you have to recognize that everybody has some connection to money, whether good or bad. Okay. And it's not all bad. Yeah. Some of it's good. Um, but you have to recognize it for what it is. And you have gotcha. to do that. I think it's best to do that before you start in a business. That's probably wise. <clears throat> yeah. So when you're running out of money, it's too late. Right. <laughs> and it never feels good to be in that perspective. Right. Perspective. Right. Okay. So. All right. So you said, I think you said the first step is thinking about personal finances. It totally. Where is. do we go there? So I, I would say that, you know, from, if you've gone to the point of you've recognized that you are interested in starting this business, I would look at your personal finance as a business in that process of okay. recognizing it. Use your personal money as an opportunity to recognize it for what it is. I mean, I know that there's several finance people out there that'll tell you, hey, you know, if your business is a $100,000 business or whatever your income is, mm -hmm. would you pay you to manage it? And oftentimes there's a lot of people that it's kind of a gut check. Hey, you're managing a $100,000 in asset year every year. Are you doing a good job of managing it? Right. And right. so these are real conversations about what you need to be thinking about I, with what I thought about um, when we first started, too, is that <clears throat> at some level, I needed to manage this money wisely so that I had, um, uh, which we're going to, you know, like, I think that one of the things that you need to think about is um, having reserves um, or right. having some seed money. Like, and if you haven't got your personal reserves figured out, trying to bring on another expectation or another business that's going to suck some money out of you right. in the process of growth is kind of, is, is, is going to really, um, probably, uh, wear on people a lot heavier than they think. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part that I really want to get across in the fact that it is not, um, something simple for one. It's never easy to take on a start a new business, right? right? But if you don't have the proper adequate, um, starting points, it's, it even makes it 10 times harder. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to break down, hey, you need to do this, this, and this with your finances. Right. But I will say that having a reserve, uh, a six-month reserve or a 12-month reserve, depending on the person, mm -hmm. is crucial. Right. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt when my wife and I were, you know, and I was entertaining starting businesses and we were, we've been going through a financial process, um, we needed a reserve, a reserve that she and I were comfortable with. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And it started with a reserve for our household. And then I, there were several opportunities that I missed out on early on as I, grew, I figured out what I wanted to do. There was some housing that I wanted to purchase, but I wasn't able to because I, my finances weren't ready. Right. And I kicked right. myself for a long time for it. Yeah. But then what I realized later on was had I jumped on those, it would have created a different problem. Right versus waiting, making sure I was right in the right financial thought process and in the right financial place right. to be able to take advantage of those opportunities. Because an opportunity that you don't have the money for isn't always necessarily an opportunity. Right. And a reserve is probably not your opportunity fund. No, and it's not. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. That's a great thought process because then I would say, so then we go shift it to, um, you know, if you're going to go into... There, and, and recognize that there's behaviors that go along with that personal finance that you're going yeah. to be able to come about and learn real quick. Mm -hmm. And and the crazy part is, is that doesn't just, that's not just because it's personal money. If, if you put your personal money in a business, 
in your eyes, it's still your personal money. It's not business money. Right. It's still somewhat personal money. Mm-hmm. So your tendencies is to treat it somewhat like your personal money. So if you don't have a good management on this money, managing your business, what you're going to shift over to be your business money is going to be a little harder. Be harder. Yeah. 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 And even if for those out there that are like, oh, I'll take a loan and I'll just knock it out that way. Well, right. Right. It doesn't matter whether you've borrowed for it or it's your personal money. Mm-hmm. Now, I would encourage you to use personal money because it's a lot easier to start out with um, knowing that you don't have neg- negative equity, right. right? It's right. always harder to, okay, I got this payment every month and it's just this, da, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's then that affects your reserves too because then you have to plan knowing that you're going to have that. Right. So it's multifaceted. Like mm-hmm. it gets in deep um, and maybe that's another time. But yeah realistically it's it's those behaviors it's those opportunities it's those things that watching yourself how you react how your spouse reacts because if you start a business and you don't have that money or you borrow that money and all of a sudden things are going bad you're going to feel double the whammy because right. things right. aren't going well and you're losing money left and right yeah. so how do you come out of that mm-hmm. and sometimes i've i've been in this position before where sometimes you actually, you it's counterintuitive. You want to stop funding it, but in order to truly get it done and done right, you still mm-hmm. have to fund it. Right. So that might mean that it's another ten thousand dollars. Well, if you're at zero, trying to go to negative ten thousand dollars, right, hurts on a whole nother level. Yeah. Yeah. So these are things that I want people to recognize as. Yeah. As they're uh, entertaining these ideas. And taking that uh, encouragement to make sure you have a reserve right, is is easy to dismiss or easy to put on the back burner. And I know we're really tired of talking about it, <laughs> but um, I think COVID made us for- face these things right. in our own personal finances, in our mm-hmm. own businesses, where we realize that, man, this is fragile. Mm-hmm. And where is my reserve? What's happening? I, you right. know, business dried up. Maybe you were a business able to capitalize on COVID, mm-hmm. but that's a smaller percentage probably, right? Right. right. Um, you know, and even your family finances of, is my job going to be here in a few months when I get back? You know, I, right. we don't know. And so we were forced with facing that reality of, of um, needing or having or making sure that we have that reserve. Mm-hmm. And as a business, we've got to take it as seriously as we did in that moment. Right. And even as a family, right. you know, whether we're profit, nonprofit, family, we've got to be serious about mm-hmm. looking at that. And I'm horrible at that. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, and truly, like, a lot of people, even in today's world, right, they don't have the training in finances. And it's... Right. And, it's, and so it's not... And, I, and, and oftentimes people say, well, nobody likes to talk about two or three things and then finances is always one of those two or three yeah. things, right? Mm-hmm. So, because money's that thing where it's like, don't tell me what to do. It's mine. I want to do with it what I want to. Or it has another stigma that's connected to it. So, you know, at this point in my life, like, if somebody's got a financial question, I'm ready to jump on it because right. I enjoy talking about that stuff because there's also a lot of um, wisdom that comes with asking questions that are surrounded by money and finances. Yeah, yeah. So let's Which, talk a little bit more about our mindset as we enter into um, 
you know, not just our personal, but our business finances. Mm -hmm. What what about our mindset needs to shift? How do we need to be thinking about about our money? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, I was talking about how your personal finances are affected. You're going to affect your business finances. Mm -hmm. So then you walk into your business finances and at some level, there's kind of two ends of the spectrum. There's kind of this scarcity mindset where I'm constantly trying to find work to try to Mm -hmm. fund what I'm doing uh, as far as like growing the business. Right. And then there's this abundance mindset where I have everything I need and I want to work. It's almost opposite ends. And, and truly at the end of the day, at some level, everybody kind of goes through some of that. Right. Because Mm -hmm. I know like there's a lot of businesses that they are seasonal. So they, they, they know that there's a time where they're not going to make as much money. Right. Right. So, and then, I mean, the pandemic, like you said, it, it brought up another thought process like, Hey, maybe we need to plan a little differently so that we don't have to, because I think that the scarcity mindset at one end, which is kind of the negative, it's got a negative connotation to it. But I think at that level, it can kill your business. It can be the thing, like, even though I'm not telling you, Jason, we have no money, I need you to do this job and I'll pay you at the end of the week mm-hmm. as soon as we get paid for this job, right? Like right. that, um, even though it doesn't, um, you might not know that, I might not say that to you, at some level what we don't know is that our body language and our conversations oftentimes lead us to that thought process without telling people we're there. Does that make sense? Right. So I think that if you're running from a constant trying to a negative pull of we've got this loan to pay for, we've got right. uh, money that's going out the door flowing. And I've felt that pressure. I know what that lo- looks like and it doesn't feel good. And <clears throat> at some level, I think every business goes through it. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you can recognize it for what it is and recognize that there is another side so- uh, the other side of that fence or another s- you're working through a, uh, a part of the business where you know you're going to come out on the other side. And knowing that, with, mm-hmm. which, which is helpful with a coach, right? Hey, your, your projections are good. You're still going good. Keep it up. Well, that's a lot easier to think about when you're on the abundance side of things and you have money rolling in and you have money going out. It's a lot mm-hmm. easier. So what I'm trying to say is like some seed money or money to start off with, with and using a coach to help you get there, to help you understand what you need to start with, depending on what your business is, is huge. Because mm-hmm. I think you can, it's not that you're going to go out there and not do every job or be super picky about your jobs. Because when you start, you want to work, right? right? You just go, you're just like, there's no jobs I probably won't take in the first year of business, right? right. Because you just need jobs. You mm-hmm. need jobs to stay alive. Um, but when you're working from... I don't have any money in the bank or I'm in a negative because mm-hmm. of a credit card bill that's coming up. Um, how am I going to balance this out? Yeah. It's just, it's just a different mindset that I don't know that, um, I think you can learn something from both of them, but I think it's a lot easier from the work from the abundance mindset Absolutely. than it is from the scarcity mindset. Yeah. Cause when we're in that scarcity mindset, we're focused on <clears throat> what we don't have. Right. And when we focus on what we don't have, that convolutes and complicates all of our decisions. Correct. Whether that's staffing or supply or pricing on a job or mm-hmm. how do I deal with this client? You know, I, I, I don't like working with this client, but I, I want it. 
I have to. I have to. You right. know, <laughs> um, right. but when we can flip our mindset to think about, you know, what we do have, and and you know, and kind of get into a mindset of of. Um, you know what? What do I truly need? Right. What do I need? Yeah. What? What? What are my break? And and that's a great. You know, going back to um, in the in that mindset of the scarcity and abundance side of things is like, if your personal house needs money to operate, which mm-hmm. it does, right? Yeah. Every house, every sure. home needs. If it needs money and your business needs money, you're really running negative. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So the scarcity side side of it becomes almost double compounded because your scarcity in your business and your scarcity for home just compounded yeah. things. And just the weight for a business owner, male or female, as a, as a person trying to bring in an income for their family, mm-hmm. just gets compounded. Yeah. And it's, it's a lot of weight to carry. I'm not saying that people don't do it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying people don't aren't successful in the midst of going through it. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is if you can try to recognize that some of that's there and mm-hmm. potentially there and be somewhat ready for it, man, I think that it's a lot easier to try to come through those woods not near as with as near as many scars. And right. I don't know that those scars are necessary if that makes sense. Right. Okay. Okay. And I think when we you know, I guess taking the mindset abundance too far. Right. You know, when you start a business that sometimes you, you know, as a, as an entrepreneur, you think, oh man, by, by month two, month three, you know, we're going to be running all cylinders and I'll be pulling the profit that I need to support my family. Right. And I mean, is that a hundred percent? I mean, for me personally, that was not my, my <laughs> right. learning experience. Um, I know I can speak for myself as far as when I first started one of my businesses, we, I did have some seed money. I did have some reserves. Mm-hmm. I had um, about six months worth of reserves um, for because I was really nervous. I had the first time hiring somebody else outside of myself. Um, so I had six months worth of reserves. Um, and the I didn't, uh, I had a, we had a ballpark plan, um, but we just, I know for the first year, I didn't pay myself. And the second year, I don't think I paid myself that much either. So it's like, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I, we had set it up so that my income wasn't, um, knew that it wasn't going, it wasn't going to be a factor for our household income, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense for a while. So knowing that we planned a little differently. And so now um, it's a little different in the fact that I can, we can count on some more of my income now. Um, but it's every business is different and every start is different. So, yeah. And I mean, we talked about this at one point before where it's like the, the, there's a statistic out there that says that businesses die that, you know, uh, entrepreneurs often, their businesses often die in the first five years mm-hmm. that, um, it's just not something that's, and I think that's one of those things is these are the kind of tools that somebody, I wish somebody would have told me right? so that I would have known that my statistic, I wouldn't have been part of that statistic so that I could um, right. have a better chance. Right. So <clears throat> like you were saying earlier, having that coach, having a mentor yep. who can help paint a realistic picture of the coming months ahead right. of, you know, yeah, you think you can pull this off in three, you probably should plan for six. Right. And you've got a three-month reserve. You should probably plan for nine, or right. you know, or you're not going to pull a, year, a full, or maybe two years. Yeah, you're like, not going to pull a paycheck from your job for a year or two years, right? Or, yeah. So, and that's what I I went and spoke uh, recently um, to a group, and 
they were wanting to know some information on that. And I said, you know, what you need to recognize is that you're working 40 hours a week, if not more. The first year I started my business, I was working way over 40 hours a week. And then on top of that, I wasn't getting paid. So I knew that for me personally, that was the sacrifice I was willing to give up to get my opportunity started. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. So I knew that was my opportunity cost on top of the mm-hmm. fact that the financial side of things weren't going to be perfect, but I wanted to make sure I covered my expenses, if that right. makes sense. So there was a lot of learning through that process. Um, mm-hmm. And did I start it right? I don't I don't know. It worked. I mean, it's worked out okay for me. I don't know that it's, it's the best for everybody, if that makes sense. Right. So right. I see now people who are buying businesses and starting them out and they're more successful than I am. So I'm not saying that. Well, it kind of depends on what you're, answer. what you're willing to risk. Right. You totally know, some is. people it's easier to risk or sacrifice, maybe right. a better word, um, sacrifice, you know, a larger uh, nest egg or seed money. Right. Um, some are might more willing to sacrifice time, effort, energy, you know. Right. Um, I went through a little, little boot camp thing, um, you know, of not promising, but saying you could expect like 40 grand growth over four weeks, mm-hmm. you know, four and four, 40 and four, something like that. I forget what it was called. Um, and I went through that going, Ooh, this is gonna be cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then I realized I'm not quite ready for that. Mm-hmm. And so it's taken me four months, not four weeks, okay. you know, to work through that because I didn't have more than, um, what, what's Dan Miller's, um, you work on it like three hours a week or three hours a day or, uh, anyone can start a business and, Oh, he's the forty-eight hours to work you love, right? But he's got a he's got a principle where um, if you just devote three hours a week, and then you can change that into like three hours a day, fifteen hours a week, right? That anybody can start a business, right? But the sacrifice there is time, right? It's going to be a slower launch mm-hmm. versus somebody who can commit forty to sixty hours a week, right? Every week, yeah, that's going to be a quicker launch, and, and so you have to have your reserves set appropriately for those different. I think he talks about that too, because yeah. it, it is totally one of those things where he is a huge proponent of. There's a lot of small businesses you can start just just with a little bit of time and a push mower. I mean, like, yeah, you know that's what true. I mean? That's true. Like, there's so yeah. many things out there that are, have the opportunity. Yeah. And we, so. <laughs> I apologize about that. We should probably double check our quotes like that. Yeah, I'm really good at quoting somebody fifty percent. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Same here. So where um. Where else do we need to think? Where else do we need to go in this conversation about money and finance? You know, I think um, what I have seen in over time is like it's easier for somebody once said this, and I can't remember who, once again, like mm-hmm. I don't know where exact quote, but money is attracted to money. And okay. It, which is interesting to think about because uh, I don't, I think that when you're running in an abundance and things are going well, it's not that you don't think that much about it because it, it just flows, right? Mm-hmm. But the moment you're on the negative side of that and you're constantly focused on it, it's really hard to pull away from it. You know what I mean? Right. So that right. you, um, it's hard to attract that mm-hmm. when you're trying to grab at it so hard. And right. I, right. It, and that's that open hand, closed hand concept, I think, is mm-hmm. as well when we're talking about money. Right. Is that, you know, when it comes in and out of your hand, it flows pretty easily. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the moment that you need it and you have to hold on to it, it just creates a different... So does that tie into, um, I'm going to tie in what you said earlier with um, a conversation I heard on a podcast um, that a guy was talking about how he scaled his business down to grow it in that he he told some clients, some big corporate clients that he had, um, I think he was uh, 
he was sending product to them, uh-huh. but they were high maintenance and they were hard to deal with. Yep. And he was like, I should only be devoting say five hours a week to working with this client. Mm-hmm. But some of these clients were taking upwards of 12, 15 hours a week oh, wow. and I was spending all this time and they were draining my energy. Mm-hmm. And so I, I finally got to this line of, you know, the scarcity mindset, like right. we are saying, if you're looking at what you don't have, you're going to make decisions that I've got to hold on to this client, even though they're driving me nuts, it's worth it. Right. And he said, I flipped my mindset mm-hmm. and said, you know, if I get rid of this client and I tell them no, mm-hmm. that I'm going to choose to lose income and margin and profit off of this client, yep. that that frees up that 12 hours a week. And sure. now I suddenly have capacity for two good clients that yeah. only cost the five hours a week right. <laughs> and a little bit left over. Right. To invest in other ways. And right. he said, it hurt, but once I made that shift and I thought, you know what? I can be more profitable by saying no to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's amazing. I mean, I think that when you have, and right, it's not perfect, right? Out of the gate, yeah. you have a certain mindset, whether it's scarcity or abundance, and you're working through that process. And then you get to a certain point in your business and you're thinking about those kind of things a little differently. And it's, it's once again, it's an abundance or a scarcity concern, mm-hmm. um, but working through that and recognizing that maybe all your clients shouldn't be your clients. Cause, and right. that was one thing right. that I, you know, that, and, but that thing helps, um, you need to f- focus on, um, how that, uh, how that, that all folk, that all comes around and affects your bottom line. And so at some yeah. level you have to be very strategic on thinking about that. Yeah. But time, it, it time does become money at some level, right? Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, it's yet another tool. I mean, money is a tool, right? It is a, it's um, oftentimes you've heard people say, well, I could use a brick to break a window or I can use a brick to build a, build a house. Like it's just, mm-hmm. it's one of those things that you get to choose what you do with it. So, you know, and, and that money is that tool. Right, right. But yeah, so I don't, I think that it's interesting that you said that. I think I've heard a similar story where um, somebody did that and then they told the customer that they weren't going to take care of them anymore, but then they came back and were like, no, don't get rid of us. We'll back off. And then they adjusted, the customer adjusted oh, okay. so that they could receive the product still. And then they took care of more of the stuff where they were trying to push it more on the business owner. Right, right. So they recognized their negativity in the relationship. Yeah, and, and they, they recognized yeah. that they, they weren't willing to give up yeah. the, the uh, productivity that they were yeah, getting absolutely. from the situation, which, yeah. you know, and once again, like it could go either way, yeah. right? It could go to the point where you do lose the client and it is, what if it's 50% of your income for the year? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, that's huge, right? huge. You know what I mean? So I, I think this kind of comes down to, as a startup business, as an entrepreneur, are you willing to make the hard decision? Right. Of, you know, I really need six months of reserves, Mm -hmm. but I want to launch tomorrow and I've only got three months. Right. And so I can't follow my dream. I can't launch tomorrow Mm -hmm. because I've got to wait. I've got to be patient. That's a hard decision. It is. Or, you know, how many other issues through this of... (laughs) You know, here's a great opportunity, but I don't have money in that opportunity fund. Right. Well, I've got reserve fund. Right. Eh, don't touch it. Making and those hard decisions. Sacrifice. Yeah. Implementation. I mean, both of those hand run hand in hand. Like we, you know, I see so many people start up new businesses and it's like, um, 
they didn't sacrifice right out of the gate for the construction world that's going out and buy a brand new truck. Like, I need a brand new truck for blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a look, and I get that you want to present yourself well. There's no, I have no beef with that. Right. What I have a beef with is, for me personally, is I can't afford a $100,000 truck. <laughs> right. Right? I mean, as right. much as I would love to have one, I know that the internally I go, hey, Chris, you need to, you need to sacrifice. Like, it's not a sacrifice because I, tr- I have a truck. Mm-hmm. But it's a sacrifice in the fact that I don't need a brand new truck. You know what I mean? Right. And at some point, maybe I will buy a brand new truck. But I've come along the way that I've realized that you can use that money to do a lot of things. Yeah. And a lot yeah. of different, in a different ways. So it's implementation. It's that thought process. These are the kind of things that we, I, I would hope that what we're doing with this podcast is giving people opportunity to sit back and question, like, do you have to have a brand new truck? Do you have to have a fancy tool that you need to start this business? Or is, are you, right. can you find something on Craigslist that's going to get you through for a minute? And right. you're going to do not, and now mind you, like we have to be very um, conscious about the fact that the, um, Quality of work, I always strive for the top quality of work, right? right? Absolutely. So I'm looking for that. I don't think my truck, whether it's a brand new $100,000 F-250 or mm-hmm. a $20,000 F-250 that's older, driving down the road with a trailer on the back of it is not going to affect my work. Right. Right? Um, and some people will go, well, what about reliability? Right. Well, okay, so you build in some margin there to help... Mm-hmm balance out the $20,000 truck versus the $100,000. Cause there's $80,000 in between there that can be budgeted somewhere. Right. 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 Even if you were going to spend the $100,000 on the right. truck. Um, cause no vehicle is perfect. Right. So all this implementation, all of this recognizing, Hey, what's your thought process? What do you think you need? What mm-hmm. do you really need? Going back to our right. conversation. Right. Um, about, and if you have the bandwidth to that to to venture down these things, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's just a tool or a product. But um, you know, like during COVID again, because you know we're tired of talking about it, right? Right. <laughs> you know, all we watched restaurants add in um, the ability to do app orders and right. curbside delivery or right. Grubhub or and some of those things were carried out better than others in different right. places. Yep. And. You know, I know for myself as you know, a creative voice in in a nonprofit organization, and I I always think of, ooh, this would be amazing. This would help push our vision, our our mission further. Mm-hmm. And I've launched tools or resources of, you know, we should do such and such. And then a month later, realize, I mean, I don't have the I don't have the band. We don't have the bandwidth to keep this going. To keep it going. Yeah. You know. And so you know, in those early startup days, to look at look at things that. Just another church example. Right. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Saddleback Church out in uh, I've heard Bandai, of it. California. Yeah. Rick Warren, Purpose Driven Life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, they've had a phenomenal ministry. When he planted the church from day one, he said, We will not have a youth ministry until we reach 500 people. Mm. And that is not a strategy in the church world. Right. You got to you got to have your kid men. You've right. got to have your youth ministry cuz you want to reach families. Right. And he was like, "We don't have the critical mass until we reach 500 to support and truly invest in a youth ministry the way we we need to." Wow. And so they did not do it. Wow. When everybody else is doing it from day 1. Huh. They didn't do it. Yeah. And so making decisions like that when our in our businesses and our you know, looking at our vision saying I really want to do this, but when I do it, I want to do it well. Right. And I want to make sure I have the bandwidth. I want to make sure I have the finances. I want to make right. sure I have the resources. Right. Yeah. 
These, and I mean, I love that. I don't know that, you know, and truly at the end of the day, like, I don't know that every business owner has to be completely out of the box. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that right. there's plenty of other people that have done things well. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you have to recreate the wheel in the process of the finances. Right. Because truly, at the end of the day, uh, it's a nuts and bolts process. I mean, I truly think as much as I wanted it to be my problem and my mm-hmm. personal, like, you you can't speak to this. It In finances... If you talk to somebody who's in finance, it is totally nuts and bolts. Like right. at the end of the day, A plus B equals C. And yeah. I mean, it's somebody's walked that road. Right. Somebody's yeah. walked that road. And even though your business might look different from other people's, the nuts and bolts of the finances are often very similar. Right. Yeah. Don't let don't let yourself feeling like this is an odd situation that nobody's going to know about. Right. Make it feel like. I'm the only one. Right. Because. And I mean, we, I don't know if we've talked about it. Uh, I think we talked about it in the, the um, earlier part about thinking about your business, but coaches, I mean, they're there yeah, for that stuff. Absolutely. This is like, this is stuff that a coach is going to be able to help somebody through. And you know, there's, and if you don't, can't afford a coach, like I always encourage people to, Hey, take somebody out, you know, who's mm-hmm. doing what they, what you want to do or something similar. Take them out to lunch. Right. Like it's just. Dan Miller got me started on it and I will preach till the day I die about it because yeah. he, I mean, that's what I've been doing. I mean, it is, I have probably, I don't know how many people I've taken out to lunch right. because that's where I know I've gotten gold nuggets and it's only cost me an hour and a half, maybe two hours the longest and 30 bucks. Right. Like it's hard to beat. Right. And so I know in my finances, I know lunches are going to be part of it. Right. So it just yeah. is what it is. And there's there's people out there that want to speak to that. And, and don't be afraid to ask. Right. You know? I, yes. For example, I have a, a relationship with uh, a person who's retired. You know, their their career has come and gone. They're, right. you know, investing into, you know, new hobbies and things like that. And our right. con- my connection with this person is through music, um, technology and music. Of yeah. They've, they've been leaning on me is how do I implement this technology stuff? Right. You know, I, I, I play classic piano. How do I, how do I do all this new stuff? You right. know? Um, and one day we're, we're sitting at lunch and I, and I said, remind me what your career was in. Mm-hmm. And it turns out they worked for the small business economic, economic, I can't say it, the development center for small businesses in oh, Indiana. Oh, no way. Decades of career in that. And that's, I was like, oh my goodness, right. we got to talk. We sat at McAllister's for another hour and a half after that. <laughs> Talking about that? Talking about that. Right. You know, and so you just don't know the gold, the wisdom. And I bet that that person was totally willing to share that with you. Oh, like, lit up. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. so when you touch on somebody's passion like that, mm-hmm. they are totally willing to help. I mean, uh, when I went to go talk to those people, uh, that the group in the school, that, you know, it was great talking with them. But surely out of the fact that I would love to see them take off, I want to see them grow their future. Mm-hmm. I want to see them ex- right. excel. And Absolutely. even if one of them ends up being one of my competitors, I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, which is kind of crazy to think about, but I mean, like you yeah. said, like this person, you know, is retired now and is willing to share so much mm-hmm. information like this. And I think that's also goes along with the abundance scarcity mindset. Right. There. I think sometimes when we start a business, we often think they're not going to want to help me because I am going to be their competitor. Right. Or they're not going to want to help me because it's going to take time out of their day. But then there's right. all, 
there also could be the people out there that would love to share with you and would love to encourage you and would love to spend time with you because they want to see you excel. Yeah. And they might not even know you super well. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Yeah. So stop saying no for other people. Right. Go out, branch out. Yeah. Get out of your box. Mm-hmm. Take your time. So I think that's good. Yeah. That's good I mean, stuff. it's, it, this is, you know, all these things go to mindset and behaviors, right? So yes. mindset definitely affects your behaviors, which happens in, in your finances. And these kinds of things I would encourage people to lock on to, think mm-hmm. about before they start a business. Because as soon as you have people reporting to you, you need to recognize your tendencies as much as possible. And I'm, nobody's going to know everything. Right. It, so that when you go into situations, you know how you might react so that you can take your time through it. Yeah. Because when you have a customer that's not happy with you and you have to sit there and listen to it, even though it wasn't your fault, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Because in their eyes, they hired you to do the job and you didn't do it to the way that they wanted it done. And that's all that matters. Right. So it's a whole nother facet when you start asking people for money to do a job. It's just, it's part of it. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. it just is. Yeah. So, oh, cool. Well, I think we've hit on enough today. I think we have. Let's yeah. wrap up. And you guys, thanks for sticking with us. Yeah. Um, we uh, let us know how, how this is hitting home, if yeah. it is or if it's not. Um, give us a like, subscribe, comment, shoot us an email. Please. We'd love to hear from you. Love to hear more about your journey. Um, and if you are looking for a coach, looking for a mentor, hit us up. Reach us out. We, Reach out. If, if we don't know, we know people. We do know people. We know people. We know well, people that are... Chris is a connector. He knows uh, people. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I'll connect you up with some good people Absolutely. if you need some help. So we got, for sure. We got resources, so... And even if you don't have um, the time to devote to it, podcasts are a great thing. There's people, there's oh, podcasts yeah. out there that will get you this information too. Yeah, so. I've literally searched in Spotify the problem that I'm trying to solve. Yeah. And I'll find some off the wall people idea. and... Yeah, I might only listen to one or two episodes of their podcast, and right. and there have been times I've listened and went, eh, that was great. It's pertinent, yeah, but not, the, maybe not. Pertinent. Yeah, maybe not the best. Yeah, but it clarified my thinking. Still, yeah, it's worth it. So, you guys are great. Thanks, Thanks. for listening, tuning in. See we'll you see time. you next time. Bye.